reading is from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. second reading comes from Exodus chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hands. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. 
So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Thank you, Rachel. I'm very happy to be able to welcome Steve Gaze to the front again. And uh, Steve is from Hardwick Evangelical Church. Um, and we've already had the pleasure of hearing Kate speak uh, before. And now we have the double pleasure of having you as well. Um, if I could just pray for you again. I know I prayed for you first service, but it's not going to hurt, is it? Um, Lord God. We thank you for your words that you've spoken through Steve already today, and I pray that you would bless his words as he speaks them to us in the second service. Uh, we pray that they would take root in our hearts and that we would go into the week transformed and equipped by these words and these reflections that Steve brings to us now. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so a little prayer. Uh, thanks very much, Liz. Uh, Lord, please help me hear your voice. And I kind of, you might want to say the same thing. Lord, help me hear your voice. Help me recognize it and help me respond positively. So, uh, yeah, we'll do, while the introductions and things are coming up, so just... Loads of you know me. It's kind of quite scary. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, right, okay. Um, but I moved to, to Hardwick in the late 1990s, so before Camborne was built, and we, before we moved to Hardwick, actually, we were looking for somewhere to live. And uh, I'm pretty certain that we drove out down what was then a farm track to a, a house in the middle of a field and decided that was a little bit too far and isolated for us then, or for me to cycle into Cambridge every day. And that field is now built on. This is part of now what is now Camborne. So we've watched Camborne uh, grow over the years, uh, and through, particularly through youth work that I've been involved in with Wickham, I've been involved in various stages of the life of Camborne Church and young people. I remember drawing, I've, I think I might have thrown away now my portrait of Ben. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we did an amazing charcoal thing in the blues, uh, in the, um, the arc. So youth work in various bits and pieces. So you don't, don't need to go there, but just over the years, lots of different history uh, with Camborne Church and the, the village of Camborne. 
uh, and I now come and help run the gospel choir that we on a Wednesday here as well. So for various contexts, people will know me, and you've met my wife, because uh, she came a few weeks ago to preach, or you might be know, know me as Amy's dad. Uh, I noticed a girl here in the congregation this morning that we met on the cancer ward when she had cancer and my daughter had cancer. Uh, or you might be know, know me as Jono's dad. He's just a useful drummer. My son is. Or you might know me as Joe's dad. Uh, some of the kids might know me as Joe's dad because they were in the same school if they were part of Hardwick and Camborne Primary School. But anyhow, that's enough about me. Uh, good. As I was praying about, or just as actually, as I was polishing my shoes this morning, uh, this thought came into my head, if you've got one point to take home that you want people to take home today, Steve, what is it? I thought, yeah, that's a good question. That's meant to be the kind of the first question you ask as a preacher. If there's one take-home point, what is it? And I couldn't get it that succinct. And I haven't got much time to polish my shoes and come out. And then I remembered uh, a phone message that's on my phone now that somebody left for me yesterday, a voicemail, uh, from one of the choir members, actually. And uh, they knew that I was coming to speak. And uh, they don't come to this church uh, and they'd rung me to say, Steve, I've just been praying for you kind of stuff, and, and I just can't get it on my head, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And as I pull in my shoes, I'm thinking, that's it. That is the take-home point. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, however God works. And you'll hear it as we go through the stories. Don't be afraid. Uh, anyhow, you're doing a series on a child of God. Let's just say that together, actually. After Chris Duffett, this is a good, good Chris Duffett thing to do, isn't it? Let's all say together that take-home point. What is it? Good. I'm a child of God. That's my grandmother uh, on the image there, and that's my uncle. Uh, they, my grandmother no longer is alive. My uncle is now 80, so it's taken a while back. But I just love, for me, that image of a, pet, a child sitting on a parent's knee. The security, my grandmother, you can see, is, she's a bit of an explorer. She's always seeing something else, another hill to climb. Uh, my Uncle Roger doesn't look quite so keen. But I'm a child of God, and you've been looking at this series, you've been chosen. Uh, God loves me, not just the whole world. Yes, he loves the whole world, but in that, he loves me as an individual. I'm chosen, I'm forgiven and accepted, uh, created to do good works, part of a body, rooted in Christ, and today we're looking at equipped. And we've got three stories that we're uh, going to look at. The first one is about Moses, and we had that in the Bible reading, and we're going to unpack that a bit more. 1,200 years later, the story read to us in Acts is about Jesus' early disciples. 2,000 years later, how do we apply that today as Jesus' later disciples? So they're the three kind of things I want to go through We'll go to Moses. What on earth was he being equipped for? What was this story about where he's like, God, are you sure if you're sending me and I go and I say, God sent me, how will I show them? What on earth was he been asked to do? Just a little bit earlier in the, in the Bible, in Exodus 3, God has said to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to my, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses was now 80 older than probably any of us in this room, when God was calling him from his life of reasonably settled, out in the wilderness looking after sheep, got married, had his kids, 
run away from a disaster of a job when he had tried to rescue the Israelites himself. And God is now saying, I want you to go back to that place that you had to run away from because I've got a job for you to do. And he goes, help? You asking me to do that? So God says to Moses, well, what's in your hand? My friend Joan was in the first congregation here this morning. She lives in, in Camborne. And her husband, uh, he's died now, died a few years ago, so I never met him. But he has a collection of walking sticks and used to make walking sticks and they used to travel the world and they've got walking sticks from all over the place. And they live in a, quite a large collection right by the front door. And so when I went to see her this week, I said, Joan, could I borrow one of your walking sticks? It's part of his identity, her husband's identity with these sticks. And she still remembers him by them. Moses would have carried his stick everywhere. He was a shepherd. And so God says to him, what's in your hands? Well, my stick, my staff. He says, yeah, well, take that and throw it on the ground. It became a snake. It was a scary thing. And it says in the passage, Moses... Turn and run. God then says to him, pick it up. And in the passage it says, and Moses picked it up. Yeah, but I, 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 pick it up by the tail. I'm sure in, in all the films I see, it's kind of grab it by the neck so it can't bite you. Pick it up by the tail sounds a bit dangerous to me. And it becomes a stick again. God has said, what is in your hand? He works through what Moses has. But his response is, I'm terrified. You've taken that ordinary thing that I could use every day and you did that with it. Don't be afraid. What God might choose to do and use. The next thing then is put your hand in your coat. Puts his hand in his coat, comes out covered in sores. Something like leprosy, something or rather scary. At least I could run away from that. This one's attached to me. Put your hand back in, bring it out, it's clean again. God uses who Moses is. Moses is kind of getting a bit convinced that he says, There's a problem, God. I, I'm, I'm not that good at speaking. I've always stumbled and I'm not doing any better in this conversation now. And God says, all right, I will speak through you. I will help you. Here, God does kind of two things, which I, somebody pointed out after this morning's service. So he helps overcome the weakness. This is Moses. I've never been good at this. And you're asking me to go and address the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world? And persuade him to let the Israelites go? It's partly his weakness, but it's also how many other Israelites spoke court Egyptian and could go and address the Pharaoh. This is one of the things he had, despite his weakness. But he was, he, God helps. God says, I'll help you. Moses is a proper Englishman. Well, he wasn't, he was Jew. But. <laughs> Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Despite all the stuff that's happened, Lord, please send someone else. Now, fortunately, 
God, God gets a bit angry there. But Moses does agree to go. And through a whole series of events, the Israelites are led out of Egypt. 1,200 years later, some Jews are gathered in Jerusalem celebrating one of the festivals that Moses instituted with the Israelites after he led them out of Egypt. A little bit earlier, they'd been celebrating Passover, and that's when Jesus took the bread and the wine and said, you know, you've celebrated your escape from slavery and freedom all these years in this way, but now I'm putting a new spin on it. I'm giving my life for you that you can be set free from sin and the slavery to all those things that mess us up and hold us so tight. I'm giving my life for that. Here's a new meaning to Passover. Fifty days later is the second festival uh, when all the Jews would come in from all over the place. They had three festivals a year when they'd come into Jerusalem if they could come. The other ones they could celebrate back at home. But here the encouragement was to come to Jerusalem. Fifty days later they're at Pentecost. Hence 50, Pente, kind of 50, yeah. Um, to celebrate this next big feast. But what had they been asked to do? They'd been asked to wait in Jerusalem until they received power because Jesus had said to them, this is your job. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's just a bit of a big call. And Jesus then leaves them. Says, on you, get on then. And their response was no doubt, help, how on earth do you ask meant to do that? And he said, well, wait, and you'll receive power. So on that day, they're meeting and they're praying, and there's a sound of a violent wind, is the way it was recorded in our translation. <coughs> the sound of a violent wind. I don't know if you've ever been in a to tornado or a hurricane, but that's kind of scary. That's not a comforting Oh, it's a nice little cool breeze happening. There's what looked like fire. And it even came on their heads. It was even more scary. Yeah, I don't know who was trying to put the fire out. I don't know if they didn't. Well, let's get a bucket of water. What happens? It's scary. And then they end up declaring the wonders of God in many languages. They already spoke some languages. They were already probably multilingual, but not this many languages. And God takes what they've got and does something amazing with it. And the response kind of goes different ways. What on earth is this? What does this mean? A whole crowd has gathered because they've heard the sound of that violent wind and they go, what on earth happened over there? Let's go and find out because that was some noise that was. Let's go and see what's happened. And they gather and this is what they hear, people speaking the, the wonders of God in their language. And they've come from all around the world. Some make fun. Some say this is from God. I don't think we've got a better example of this at the moment than that sermon done yesterday in uh, that wedding. Just that little wedding. <laughs> I don't know which wedding. You may have been to another wedding and missed the sermon. But Harry and Meghan's wedding is an amazing talk. And some people love it. And some people hate it. There's a massive split uh, and I'm not going to have votes here <laughs> yeah. but the response is different from different people and 
this here that happened on Pentecost Sunday, this was from God. What happened with Moses was from God. Some people were scared. Some people made fun. Some people, no way. Some people, this is from God. And so Jesus' later disciples, us today, equipped for what? I reckon it's the same thing he said to his early disciples. Go to all the world, teach them, baptize them. And that's our call today, still here in, in Camborne. You've got all the world coming to you, just like they did in those days. In Jerusalem, the whole world had come. But how are we going to do this? Are you asking me to do that? Are you asking us? I'm just about surviving, doing my own life. Let alone doing the rest of all this stuff. We won't be, have it recorded in the Bible, in Exodus or Acts. For us, it will be recorded on Facebook or Twitter or in the Cambon Crier or in the conversations we're having with our friends. But we need to receive that same power from on high. Whatever it looks like for us, however God chooses to equip us, it might be scary. We might end up going, I don't like that. I know I asked for some help, God, but please, couldn't you have made it a bit like I wanted it? Do I have to go and pick that snake up again? It will be exciting. But what excites one person scares someone else. And the response will be very similar. Some people say, what on earth does this mean? Some people will make fun. Some people will go, this is from God. On that Pentecost day, 3,000 people were added, despite the people making fun, despite the misunderstanding, despite the scariness. Don't be afraid. When God works and it's outside what you were expecting, don't be afraid. It probably will be outside how you're expecting it to be. There's another story. Elijah went and he wanted to hear from God and, and there was a big wind and God wasn't in the wind. And there was a fire and he wasn't in the fire. It was in the still small voice. He will come the way he needs to come because he knows what needs to happen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm a child of God, I'm chosen, forgiven, accepted, created to do good works, part of a body, rooted and equipped. I just want to tell one more story from the choir. So we were singing a song, I noticed Liz signing. Um, uh, we were singing a song and we did some simple signs to it, Makaton signing. And uh, I kind of taught the signs, we taught the parts, we're doing it all and I'm playing my keyboard, Andy's on the bass, I've got somebody on the drums, somebody else on the guitar. We're really getting into the song and I'm doing some nice lick on the piano. And I look up, and suddenly somebody's jumped out of the choir and is leading it. Now, it's something I kind of encourage, but I normally call someone out and say, can you come and lead this song? This was spontaneous. She'd never led before, but she has Down syndrome, and she signs. And she jumped out the front, and she was, oh, this, you know, she was doing all the signs for the altos. She was running over here doing the signs for the sopranos, and you just had seen the response. It was exciting. For some, it might have been a bit scary. I looked up and go, uh, keep on playing. Yeah. It was brilliant. Her name's Sarah Joy. She's full of joy, and that joy was infectious. 
That joy is infectious. As children of God, whoever we are, whatever our background, God will equip us. Don't be afraid.